Hello, honey, and welcome to the Healthy Emmy Podcast. I am your go-to nutritionist for plant-based weight loss and the creator of the eight-week Slim on Starch program. If you want to learn how to lose weight and keep it off on a plant-based diet, you've come to the right place. And the best part, it does not involve counting calories or restricting portions. This is the podcast version of my YouTube videos, so if you'd like to see the woman behind this voice, Proceed at your own caution and go to the show notes where you'll be directed to the Healthy Emmy YouTube channel. Otherwise, enjoy your commute, walk, workout, or whatever the heck it is that you're doing with just my voice on this podcast. Today's video is going to be my opinions about what you guys want to know my opinions about. So I went to Instagram. If you are not following me on Instagram, follow me on Instagram, and I ask, what do you want to know my opinions about? Let's get into it. Here are the topics that I'm going to be talking about in this video. Health at every size slash body positivity. For those of you that aren't familiar with health in every size, here is the formal definition. Health at every size principles help us advance social justice, create an inclusive and respectful community, and support people of all sizes in finding compassionate ways to take care of themselves. Now, when I read that, that sounds fantastic. To be compassionate for people of all sizes in their health journey. But what I see happen with the health at every size movement isn't really that. What I tend to see happen with the health at every size movement is not people trying to take care of themselves and better themselves and their physical health, but instead to accept that you can be at any size and be healthy. And that's that, that you can be healthy at every size. And I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that you can be 600 pounds and healthy. And that's where the issue happens with health at every size. Do I think that you can be at BMI 25, 26, 27 and still be healthy? Absolutely. Do I think that you can be 600 pounds and still be healthy? Probably not. And so what tends to happen with the health at every size movement is it, people go toward the extremes and they'll become very unhealthy, but under the umbrella of health at every size say, well, health at every size. And what I don't see happening is what it looks like is the intention of health at every size, which is to help people become healthy at every size and, and not to reserve a health journey for people that are already healthy. It's interesting because the, the definition that I see on this website does not match what you usually see with health at every size. Again, do I think that you can be healthy at BMI 25, 26, 27? Yeah, I do. In fact, people like Tom Brady, professional athletes, a lot of them are technically overweight by BMI standards because they have so much muscle mass. So I don't think that BMI tells the whole story. And I think that you can be overweight and unhealthy. I think that you can be underweight and unhealthy. I think that you can be a normal BMI and be unhealthy. So health at every size is usually not something that I you know get into too much because it's it's pretty hairy. I think that everybody should just focus on being healthy and that's that and not so much focus on the weight aspect of it, but but truly focus on health. What I say because I help clients who come with a desire to lose weight, I really try to make the focus health. I say if you focus on health, you lose weight as a side effect, but if you focus on weight loss, you lose health as a side effect because you go crazy. The next thing that was asked about is body positivity 
I'm not a huge advocate for body positivity as much as I am for body neutrality. Body neutrality is the idea that your body is the vessel that you experience life in, whereas body positivity is exactly what it sounds like, being very positive and happy and ecstatic about about your body and loving your body. I think that's really difficult for a lot of people and a more practical way to look at it and probably a, a, I think a better way to look at it is body neutrality because then you're not assigning any emotion. When you feel negative emotions about your body and then you replace those with positive emotions, I think what we should do just do instead is remove all emotions and look at our bodies in a neutral sense. And like I said earlier, just focus on health. Coffee and caffeine. Coffee and caffeine I don't think are the source of all of the issues that people have with health. I think that diet is is the main source of the issues and the main source of what you need to focus on in order to eradicate those issues. Coffee, caffeine, it's really a drop in the ocean to be honest. Yes, there are going to be effects on your sleep and your hormones are probably going to be affected because your sleep is affected, but it's not the end of the world. Some studies even show that a little bit of caffeine is beneficial. There are studies promoting green tea. I I gave up caffeine a while ago. I didn't want to have to rely on a substance that technically is a drug. I felt better and more empowered being free from that and, and being free from any substances besides the necessary like food, water, and oxygen. But for my clients that consume coffee and caffeine, I I don't make a big fuss about it and they're usually extremely successful while having it. I think it's better to focus on diet and also getting in healthy movement every day. If you have a huge reliance on caffeine and you're using it as an appetite suppressant, then that might want to be something that we look at. If you are not sleeping because of it, then it might be something that we want to look at. But if you're having some every day and it's not showing to have any negative effects and you're happy doing it, then I don't see I don't see it to be something that we have to to give up. Salt. What are my thoughts on salt? So I, I really don't make a big deal about salt. I let my clients have salt. I think that everybody pretty much can have salt besides people that have high blood pressure, or hypertension, any sort of heart condition where eliminating salt or reducing salt would be beneficial. But for most of the people that I work with, we, ha- we can have them incorporate salt and it's really not a big deal. The reason why you hear that salt is something that you might want to give up is because salt contains sodium. Sodium is an essential nutrient. Essential means that we can't make it within our body. We have to get it from food. Now, sodium is in the environment and in nature very, very rare to find in large amounts. It's only found in trace amounts in nature. So because of this, we are designed to be very good at detecting when something does have sodium. Now, salt is packed with sodium, which means that when something has salt on it, when a food has salt on it, we're gonna eat a lot of that food because our brain says, yay, we found the salt, we found the salt, huzzah, we have the salt, let's eat it, or the sodium rather, we found the sodium, finally, this is an essential nutrient. And that's why salt tastes really good, and that's why we tend to eat more of something when there is salt on it. So if you have salt on a food, you're naturally gonna eat more of that food because you're attracted to the sodium in it versus if you don't have the salt on there, you'll naturally eat less of that food. So if you are finding that you are 
over consuming, if you're struggling with binge eating, that might be another reason to reduce salt intake. But there's arguments as well for wanting to keep in salt intake. If you have low blood pressure, if you have thyroid issues, then having iodized salt, the iodine can help regulate your thyroid. If you won't eat the food unless there's salt on it, which is the case for a lot of people, then absolutely have salt. But these days, I'm usually just fine with my clients having salt. What are my opinions on calorie tracking? I never recommend calorie tracking. The FTA allows for about 20% margin of error when it comes to how many calories they post on their nutrition facts, which means if something has, it's listed as having 500 calories, in reality, it could have 20% more than that. So in reality, it could have 600 calories or it could only have 400 calories, but it's labeled as having having 500 calories. So even if you weigh something down to the gram, you're still going to be off by perhaps 20%. Additionally, people are putting in one potato as 110 calories and one potato is this big and then another potato is that big. So a lot of times people are the amount of calories that they think that they're eating is not correct. Another reason why I don't promote calorie tracking is because it usually makes you gravitate toward packaged foods that are all chemically and processed and tiny little portions of food simply because the calories are listed on there and you end up eating a much more processed diet with artificial sweeteners and ingredients and preservatives simply because there are the calories listed on there. Whereas with whole foods, you're not exactly sure the, the amount of calories that it has. And so people who are tracking their calories will shy away from it for that very reason. So I'm really not a huge fan of, of tracking calories, you know, we our bodies have built-in calorie trackers and those are our hunger fullness cues and this is why in the slim on stars program i have an entire module solely dedicated to hunger fullness cues because that is what we should be relying on nutrition labels didn't exist until the 90s so what did people do before then you don't think they relied on hunger fullness cues did you Hunger fullness cues are amazing. They are built in ways to tell us when we need more, when we've had enough. And so I would empower you and encourage you to rely on those versus the number that is printed on a package. Artificial sweeteners and flavors. Really not a fan of artificial sweeteners. Really not a fan of those zero calorie sweeteners. They are a recipe for a binge. Studies actually show that when you consume a zero calorie sweetener, you consume more calories later on than you would if you had just had normal sugar sweetener in the first place. Let me say that again. So let's say somebody has a Coke and then somebody has a Diet Coke. The person who had the Diet Coke is shown that they will consume more calories later on. Your body sort of retaliates because you get that sweet taste. Digestion starts in the mouth. It actually starts in the brain when you're thinking about food and then you start to salivate. But salivation happens so that it can break down whatever it is that you're eating to prepare it for going into your stomach. So digestion starts to happen Happen when you have a Diet Coke, for example. So then your stomach gets ready and starts secreting some acid and some enzymes so it can break down whatever is going to be coming and then nothing comes. And then your body goes, well, what the heck? I've been... what." 
what's this all been about? Why have I been tasting something sweet and no calories are coming? So then it drives up the hunger drive and you end up eating more later. Really not a fan of those zero calorie sweeteners. Uh, what I would encourage you to do is to make your taste buds superhuman taste buds by eating whole foods, not processed foods, things you find in the produce aisle, real foods that don't have ingredients lists, and your taste buds will adjust so that you don't need those artificial sweeteners. What are my thoughts on healthy fats like nuts and seeds? I think they're great. <laughs> if you are in weight maintenance, you don't have to be as careful about your incorporation of them. If you are looking to lose weight, then you want to be a little bit more conservative with your incorporation of them. But I actually build into the Slimon Starch program, allowing you to have some healthy fats, some nuts and some seeds and some avocado. Uh, and then if you're not having success, then we can omit those things. But those are absolutely fine to have. They are richer, they are higher in calories. So again, if you're trying to lose weight, you'll want to pull back on them a little bit. But if you're in weight maintenance, you can use them as a condiment and, and not give as much thought to it. Three day fasting for health benefits. There are certain scenarios where I would advocate for fasting and it's for people who are extremely ill and go to the True North Health Center under the care of trained professionals for fasting. Do I think that somebody should do a fast on their own without any medical supervision, without being told to do it? Absolutely not. Will I ever do a fast? Absolutely not. <laughs> I can, no thank you. I would die if I ever did a fast. But for, for health reasons, I could see why somebody would go to a facility and do it. For anything outside of health reasons, for weight loss, no way, Jose, I never recommend fasting because it's just setting you up for a binge down the line. So I am not a fan of fasting in that sense, but for health benefits, that's a tough one. Only in certain circumstances where somebody's extremely ill and they're at the True North Health Center. Thanks for listening, honey. Come say hi at Healthy Emmy on Instagram and join our private Facebook group, The Healthy Honeys, where you can get started losing weight on a plant-based lifestyle. I'll see you in there and everything is linked in the show notes. Mwah!